Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The competition is a beautiful thing. We're Slayer's girlfriend, the chosen two. Why should we let him take off? Gosh, I'm feeling chipper. <laughs> Who's for a root beer? Jeez. I don't like vampires. We'll take a stand and say they're not good. Fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this way. And we're here again. Hi, Rex. Hi, Josh. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. As we just established. And today we are reviewing Season 3, Episode 14, Bad Girls. Yeah, so that's a thing. Counter speed, Rex. Reeves be with you. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Poor inflection on your whoa, man. You should be feel truly ashamed. Whoa. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't excellent. You're not being excellent to me. <laughs> this whole goddamn cult is off. <laughs> I'm calling Keanu. <laughs> I think he will uh, tell you that the issues are more of your own personal views of how you view the world and accept the the reality around you. So, Josh, dude, like, this really just seems like mostly a you not shutting up problem. <laughs> like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's about how I imagined yeah. that conversation would go. Thank you, Keanu. You're welcome. Yeah. You're not Keanu. I know, but I'm speaking for him. Oh, now the great Keanu speaks through you. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just assuming that that's what he would say. <laughs> if you thanked him, he'd say you're welcome. Okay. All right. He seems like a very polite fellow. All right. I'm on board with that. <laughs> Sorry, Keanu. Okay. Okay. I have a fun tidbit of information that I learned today that excites me. Uh-oh. The tidbit doesn't necessarily excite me, but the, the situation that led to me learning this tidbit excites me. Stop saying tidbit. It sounds dirty. <laughs> what, Is it moist? We're going to discuss that later. Oh, dear. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So my favorite book series is The Dresden Files, which we've discussed previously, is narrated in the audiobooks by James Marsters. Sure. And the main character of whom... Your ex-girlfriend imagined me as while yeah, reading. Because you're freakishly tall. Which... And he's freakishly tall. I always, you know, got a little bit of an ego boost out of that. Go on. Anyway, the thing is, is that author, when he finishes his book and sends it off to the editor, he tweets the end. Yeah. And so it is a big deal to all of us Dresden fans. We watch his Twitter for when he tweets that. And so he tweeted that today. The end. Hmm. The, the the book is written. We'll probably see it in December. Really fucking excited because this has been the longest wait between books ever. Normally he'd have one a year and then he's just slowly been adding more time between books and it's been three years now. So he did tweet the end today. Yes. I was going to guess that. Cool. Neato. So he tweeted the end today and I was on Reddit on the Dresden Files subreddit. Sure. Discussing the book and all this and people were asking when the audiobook is going to come out. 
we were discussing the logistics of the audiobook. Basically, the last several books of Dresden Files, the audiobook has dropped when the book releases. And we were discussing how this is done. And I found out that the way this is done, because normally an audiobook takes months to produce. But for some reason, it doesn't when James Marsters does it. Well, because he's fucking amazing. Apparently, now this is rumor... But apparently, James Marsters does 12-hour days for Dresden Files. Huh. Specifically because he really wants to produce the the audiobooks as fast as possible. Neat. Because he loves them so much and he knows fans want them. So he fucking works his ass off just to get them out there as quickly as possible. Good for him. I mean, even with a 12-hour day, that still gives him, you know, four hours to do whatever and eight hours to sleep. But I can imagine 12 <laughs> hours in front of a microphone. That's, that's that a long time. That would be grueling. Yeah. Especially when you're you're reading a book that you've obviously already read before. Mm-hmm. And like so many times where you're like repeating a line and you're like, no, oh, hold on. Let me try that again. I I, I missed this word. Oh, no, that, that, uh, that inflection isn't right. You know. I don't know. I don't think James Marsters has that problem as much as you do, Rex. No one has that problem as much as I do. Well, no, that's not true. There, I mean, you, I have, could, I have, you could be a lot worse, surprisingly. Right. But I also do have a solid editor, and I still, yeah, oftentimes in the edited, finalized versions of the podcast, there will be times where I'll be like, oh, God, I sound like a doof. There was nothing I could do, man. <laughs> I know. Like, you guys. <laughs> it's dead, dude. I did everything I could. The whole point here, really bringing this up, is one time, one time we did two hours in front of this microphone for an episode because we went way the fuck over. And that was just way too much. And I can't fathom sitting here in front of this microphone for 12. Right? Well, you also didn't have air conditioning. Mm. And it was pretty hot at the time. And also there was that one time that we did uh, two episodes in a row back to back. And that kicked our ass. I don't know how in God's name we did that, but yeah, definitely cheers to you, James Marsters, for still kicking ass 20 years later. Yeah, definitely. We need a clink. Sure. That's better. Yeah. That works. We'll go with that. Why not? <laughs> All right. On to the mom synopsis. Shit. Um, <laughs> Joshua. What are you doing, Joshua? Are you making me waffles? <laughs> What? First of all, it's pronounced waffles. How many years of schooling and you're pronouncing it waffles? I'm so embarrassed by you. Why am I making you waffles? Aren't you supposed to be making me waffles? That's mom logic, right? Joyce taught us that this episode. I wouldn't know. I was too busy cooking your waffles. I'm sorry, waffles. Now I'm all kaflustered. I don't know which it is. Just tell me about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Who's Giles' new friend? It looks like they're getting along really well. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you mean Balthazar or Wesley. And in either situation, no. No, they're not. All right, so uh, we've known for a few episodes now that Buffy was due a new watcher because Giles got fired, but he's still librarian at Sunnydale High School because they can't take that away. I mean, they probably could if they tried hard enough, but they're obviously not trying very hard, and they're just letting that go. Anyway, so this is our 
first introduction to Wesley Wyndham Price, and boy, is he a waffle. Uh, he sucks at being a watcher, and everybody knows it. He just happens to get in town just in time for all the shit to go down. Buffy ends up uh, getting talked into being a little bit uh, extra mischievous and rebellious this episode by Faith. And they run off. You know, Buffy skips out on school. Uh, they find this amulet that was left in town by Balthazar like a hundred years ago. But they think Balthazar is dead. But it turns out he's not. He's actually this giant blubbery demon mass in a kiddie pool. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's quite gross. Good makeup. Good effects. Uh, definitely good creature effects. <laughs> so they end up fighting this order called the Illuminati. El Illuminati. Yeah, real original there, guys. <laughs> Pun intended. We get it. Okay. Wesley gets put in his place, and uh, Faith accidentally kills a dude. It's not really a big deal. Buffy thinks it's a big deal. Nobody else thinks it's a big deal. Anyway, we'll get to that. This episode was kind of all over the place. Anyway, your waffles are all over the place, Joshua. What waffles? I haven't made any waffles. I don't know how long I'm going to write out this whole waffle joke. <laughs> um, we'll see. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. Ooh, dear. Cold open. Cold open to the graveyard, where Faith and Buffy are talking about banging Xander. <laughs> well, Buffy's talking about not banging Xander, to be fair. Yeah, true. Faith's all like, come on, you never once, not even, like, I mean, what are friends for? And Buffy's like, not for having sex with. And so, yeah. Yeah, and then they, ru they run into a couple of amps. Well, they start out running into a couple of vamps, but Buffy notices by the footwork that there's a third one that they lost track of. I loved this bit because they're talking and Buffy looks down and looks at the tracks and everything. Faith accused her of overthinking and she's like, hold on and looks down at the tracks and Faith, what are you doing? I'm overthinking. There's a third one. And it just really shows her prowess of being the Slayer because she was able to look at the tracks and like understand that there was a third one. Absolutely. She's way better at this than Faith. Yeah, and then Faith doesn't even bother listening to Buffy when Buffy tries to be like, all right, let's coordinate this. Yeah. She's like, on my count, one, Faith just rolls right into it. And sure, it works out, but by the skin yeah. of their teeth. This dude is a bit different than the others. He's a bit more medieval, and he's got a sword and a dagger. Now, I thought the other two were Illuminati as well. I thought as well, but the way they discussed it when Buffy was telling them... Yeah, I noticed that, that she definitely said that this guy was different, and I don't know, anyway, so he drops a couple of swords, and they're yeah. like, oh, we should get these back to Giles, but by the time they look to where he had dropped the swords, they're gone. I have such a huge fucking problem with this because it, it immediately transitions to the mayor's office where Mr. Trick has the fucking swords and he presents them to the mayor. But they weren't all over the place during this fight with this dude. The swords were right there at their feet where they were standing. She just looked almost straight down and saw that the swords were gone. And there is no fucking way, no matter how good you are, that anybody could have grabbed those swords 
that covertly. Yeah, it seems unlikely. It was just bad writing. I mean, it looked like it was a good 12 feet away. If Mr. Trick had been hiding behind something and just did a mad dash, they would have seen some sort of movement out of the corners of their okay, eyes. So, yeah, but then what? what is... What is Mr. Trick doing? Following them around every patrol night? Right. I don't I don't like it. It's lazy fucking writing. Yeah, it was kind of lazy. But the mayor really seems to not give too big of a of a shit about these swords. Well, I he do- seems much more interested in the funny pages of the newspaper. And we get the clip from the, our music. Oh yeah. yeah. I love Family Circus. That PJ yeah, there you go. He's becoming a handful. <laughs> Can I just say that the fact that he finds Family Circus hilarious is the purest sign of him being evil? Of being a psychopath? Yeah, because it's like the most not funny comic ever. It's almost as not funny as Garfield. Oh, right. I went there. No, I I, <laughs> I completely... I don't find Garfield entertaining in the least. I always liked Garfield, but... Yeah, I understand now how really just not funny it is. Mr. Trick. Mr. Trick's a fan of Marmaduke. Because that dog is a rebel, which fits with the theme of this episode. Yeah. Mainly with Faith being a rebel and being a bad influence on Buffy. I find most of the funny pages boring, and since Calvin and Hobbes stopped being made, I think they're dumb. Calvin and Hobbes was the greatest that ever lived. I haven't read that much Calvin and Hobbes, but yeah, definitely they're not as entertaining to look at anymore. But I thought the uh, the really funny part of this scene was when Alan, his assistant, butts <laughs> in and he's like, I like to read Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> and both of them just look like they wanted to just drink all of his blood right there and yeah. then. It was It was kind of amazing. Oh my God, this guy is such a nervous wreck. And the mayor almost literally just walks all over him. He starts his little um, speech about his plans about the dedication. And like, had Alan not stepped out of the way just in time, the mayor literally would have slammed his face into his face. Yeah, I noticed. (laughs) I thought that was that was just an excellent piece of physical demonstration of the roles of the characters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The way their body languages worked in conjunction with that. It was excellent. It also takes great trust on the actors' parts with each other to make that happen. (laughs) Yeah. That's a big thing with uh, fight choreography is because I got trained in stage knife fighting in college. Shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I have to have told you that before. But anyway, um, basically, rule number one is it's your job to get the fuck out of the way. If you get stabbed, it's your fault. It's not like you didn't know it was coming. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's practiced for a reason. Yeah, exactly. So he walks over to the cabinet where he opens it up. And amidst all of his shrunken heads that he apparently keeps liquor in. Yeah. He pulls out uh, a moist nap yeah, handy the- wipe thing. After he's done wiping his hands, he like folds it up into the tiniest of squares and then hands it to Alan. And I just really love the juxtaposition that they do with his character constantly, but just how he's he's got this super, hey, I'm this super nice guy, but I'm also extremely evil kind of yeah. thing. I <laughs> He's this huge germaphobe, even though he's drinking liquor out of shrunken skulls. They're sterilized shrunken skulls. Well, because, of course, because there's liquor in them. <laughs> 
I my brain wasn't going that direction, <laughs> but okay, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, basically the mayor's whole point is he's not really that worried about these vamps, but he wants them taken care of, so he encourages Mr. Trick to help make sure the Scoobies kill the vamps. Yeah, basically, he wants to play off the Illuminati and the Slayers against each other so that they're just both out of his way. And opening. Then we go to the school. Yeah, Xander's whining about how much of a loser he is, while Willow is excited about getting accepted to all the big fancy colleges. Cordelia helps Xander feel more losery. I did enjoy Xander's line. I'm expecting thin little slips with no way written in crayon in regards to his college applications. And uh, Oz, Oz did respond with, they're typing those now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a good line. Um, uh, but we learned that Giles was looking for Buffy. Willow invites Buffy over to study for chemistry later, yep. which is mildly important later. And that's about it. Cut to the yep. library. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you has a Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Water. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. God damn it. Joss, you fucked it up, Joss. How? We had it perfect. W for Willow. F for Faith. <laughs> B for Buffy. X for Xander. Yeah. C for Cordelia. G for Giles. No, you have to throw another W in there. And now I have to write a whole name. I tried using W for Wilkins later as well for Mayor Wilkins. And I was like, shit, now that's three W's. Damn it. You can do M for Mayor. Yeah, I just, I just fucking write out the names now. I'm over it. Ever since I started copying uh, lines over, I don't care about shorthand that much anymore. So anyway, Wesley, God damn it. It's been a long time, old friend, but I forgot how big of a twat you were in the beginning. <laughs> oh, the 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 opening conversation between him and Giles is just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Especially just how utterly fucking bored Giles is with the whole thing. <laughs> well, not, not even just bored, but just so pissed off. I'm so ticked off that I'm molting. <laughs> <laughs> that's how so, pissed off he is so wesley says i have in fact faced two vampires myself under controlled circumstances of course ah no danger in finding that around here vampires controlled circumstances and you can tell the line just goes right over wesley's head completely over wesley's head yes I, although i am impressed because buffy comes in to report Honestly, Wesley is a dick out of the box. Mm -hmm. Like, she's still a fucking person. Yeah, she's been called. Yeah, she's a bad... She's still a fucking person, Wesley. Well, and this is probably... Uh, he's probably fresh out of, you know, watcher training. Yeah. And this is probably how they act like they're supposed to treat their slayers. And, you know, Giles is obviously yeah. at least 10 years older. You know, he's a little wiser. I mean... A lot wiser. Okay. Yeah. Even without having had a Slayer before. And there, there is some kind of fun similarities between Wesley and early first season Giles. Yeah, there are. But it is very obvious, though, that early first season Giles was still better fucking equipped. Yeah. He didn't feel wiser. like... He definitely 
still operated by you win more flies with honey. Yeah. Rather than trying to come in and put his foot down and be this totalitarian tool bag. Wesley does get some points here. After Buffy reports back about the vampire with the two blades, Wesley very quick comes up with that they're of the Illuminati. Almost a little too quickly. It would make me skeptical if I didn't know that he was a long-standing character. And I wonder if maybe they were trying to play it off like, oh, is he actually a bad guy? Well, I wonder if they knew that he was going to be a long-standing character when they did this episode. It is interesting to, if you think of that... Like, how much did they know about the future of that? And I think it's excellent timing because we're more than halfway through season three now. Angel is going to start in less than half a season. Yeah. And he's queued up to be on Angel as well, which maybe that's a decision they made later. Maybe they're thinking that right now. I don't know. Yeah. We learned that the vampires were of the Illuminati. Oh, God, that name makes me cringe. <laughs> um, they worshipped a demon called Balthazar. They want his amulet. They were driven out of town a hundred years ago. Yep. His theory is that they're just back in town to get this completely harmless amulet, and Balthazar is definitely dead. No big deal. Uh do Bob's your uncle. Pip-pip, cheerio. Because, again, we have this completely underwritten stereotypical british tightwad coming in for any supernatural fans out there he just completely reminds me of every random asshole that they had involved with the british men of letters which i know you probably don't get that reference nope, yeah not at all so the name balthazar struck a, a familiar it sounds really familiar me. for some reason yeah and i couldn't figure out what it was did you so try looked, googling it i i did i looked it up good and Went to Wikipedia and tried to find characters, and nothing jumped out at me. Now, but there is a supernatural character named Balthazar. Also, Battlestar Galactica, isn't there? I don't know. The one guy that is his name Balthazar. I think it is. I'm gonna pause it and find out right now. Okay, okay no, it turns out that's Gaius Baltar, not Balthazar. So go yeah. on. There was also Balthazar in Neverending Story. Huh. And there's a couple other places. There's one in Supernatural. Okay. There's like an angel or something. I don't know. Apparently he's not a standing, a long-standing character. Not that rings a bell to me, no. Um, but the best part of this whole scene is the pronunciation of cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Wesley orders her to uh, go get the amulet from she, the from the Gleaves' crypt. Yeah, and she's pouty about it. As she kind of should be. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, you don't you don't like taking orders or whatever. And she goes, whenever Giles sends me on a mission, he says, please. And afterwards, I get a cookie. Mm-hmm. And she, she says cookie like she's cocking a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> she said it like a little kid. Yeah. And it was, it was very purposefully, mockingly. And Giles was like, oh, Buffy, stop. No, don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part about this whole cookie thing is Scooby Snacks. She's a Scooby. They're Scooby Snacks. He was giving her a Scooby Snack. Yeah. Like, you guys. <laughs> we finally got Scooby Snacks. Yeah, there you go. There's your cookie. Lots of cookies. <laughs> cookies for everyone. Scooby I snacks. find this whole method of giving snacks very childish. See, I'm, that's why no one likes you, Wesley. Yeah. You don't give anyone Scooby Snacks. Damn right. That's why Giles is awesome. 
Giles is better than you. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. So Faith enters and says what everybody's thinking. New watcher. Buffy and Giles are both like new watcher. And she's like, well, fuck this. And turns around and walks out. <laughs> yeah. I forget what she actually said. It wasn't far off from, well, fuck this. No, it was not. I didn't write it down either. But Buffy chases after her. Yeah, Giles manages to communicate to Buffy with one word, Buffy, that she should go convince Faith to come back. And that is just levels of really, who the fuck are they thinking trying to replace him? Seriously. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So so we cut to the courtyard where Buffy's trying to talk Faith into coming back. She makes very little progress. Faith is really trying to hammer home her belief that Buffy gets off on fighting vamps as much as Faith gets off on fighting vamps. Yeah, well, she's definitely calling her out on her bullshit, saying that she's not into it at all. Sure, maybe she's not as into it as Faith, but she does still enjoy being able to have that release and having the power and control over uh, her physical strength, dexterity, etc. But Buffy is overly uncomfortable with the level of grunting that Faith is comfortable with. Yeah, apparently way too much grunting. She's grunting about fucking Xander. She's grunting about, you know, killing vampires. Faith is a very sexual being. Yeah. And that's fine. Uh, That's healthy. It's very healthy. What? I'm pretty okay with it. Yeah. You and everybody else. But... Faith wants to bail completely. She has no no desire to help out in this. And well, and she makes the worst homework proposal ever. I don't even know what assignment they're that Buffy's talking about at the, the end of the, the scene. Uh, investigating the crypt. Oh, I see. I thought there was like some sort of school assignment. Faith doesn't even go to Sunnydale, no. does she? No, she I didn't think not. so. Okay, she is a high school dropout. Yeah. So she says. How about uh, you do the assignment and I'll copy it. Yeah. So that's why I was confused. But she was talking about the retrieving the amulet mission. Yep. Okay, that's fun. Wow, think you can take me? Thanks, B. Fancy free. Thanks, B. Thanks, B. So, Buffy goes to the crypt. The Gleaves' crypt. And I'm pretty positive it's the same fucking crypt set that they used fighting... Angelus? No, when she was fighting (laughs) Erasmidas the vampire. Possibly. I Um, mean, they can't have that many crypt sets. No, I can't imagine they would. And I can't imagine that they'd be like, Okay, guys, we finished with the crypt for this episode. Let's tear it down. We're never going to need another crypt set. Well, and it looked like all they did was change out the sign on the name of the yeah. crypt. Because the last time we were in this crypt, I think it was called the Van Houten Crypt. Yeah. Exactly. And but- so uh, Buffy flips open two, like, eight megaton crypt covers like a duck writing a dissertation on quantum <laughs> physics. Did that make sense to you? Me either. <laughs> And that's approximately the way she flips it open. It's not as bad, though. After she opens the second one, sees the amulet, she hears vampires coming. So she jumps into the first crypt, closes it behind her with even more ease. Yeah, from inside the crypt. 
I mean, I think it was a good call that she didn't take the amulet with her. Yeah. My main continuity error that I noticed in this scene was after, so these so these six dudes from the Illuminati come in, they take the amulet, this guy has a dumb look on his face as he pockets it, and they all leave. Cool. Um, and then Buffy gets out, and Faith does this obligatory, I'm going to reach out and grab you really quickly. It's just a useless jump scare. Yep. And Buffy is like, what? It's It was six against one. How did you know it was six? She hid before they came in. Is yeah. she just that good at listening to the footsteps? She might be. I, you know what? I could believe that. I could believe that as well. My question was, where the fuck was Faith? When they leave yeah, the Yeah, where crypt, was she hiding? When, when they leave the crypt, they're not far behind the other vampires. How did, how did they leave the crypt and then she snuck in to find Buffy there? <laughs> maybe we're just not giving Faith near enough credit. Maybe, okay, maybe. maybe she was doing that cling to the ceiling move the whole time. But she already said she wouldn't have hid from him. Oh, right. And, and her character tells us she would not have hid from them. Why did she sneak into the crypt in the first place to find Buffy? Why didn't she just fucking start attacking them outside? To watch the chicken cross the road, Rex. Oh, fucking chicken. Get your shitty jokes straight, all right? <laughs> it's all right. I have barbecue sauce. We're going to make this okay. Oh, good. Good. Also, I have some tar. We can tar and feather someone. But yeah. Because we'll have the leftover feathers from the chicken you see. Right. That's where I was going with that. I got what you meant. All right. But they follow the Illuminati to a sewer. <laughs> the exchange here is pretty reasonable where Faith is like, no, fuck this. We're going in. And Buffy's like, hey, six against two, not unlike three against one. Yeah. Small, tight spaces, confined movements. Fairly decent argument for not chasing them in. Faith's like, no, fuck you, and jumps. And she did the most dickish thing you could possibly do. She said, I don't know how many are down there, but I want to find out. And I'll know when I land. If you don't come in after me, I might die. So she pretty much forces Buffy's hand into following her into this with a guilt trip. Like, for once, this episode, like, Joyce is the logical one. <laughs> right. Overall. <laughs> with with the way Buffy has grown up with Joyce, how is she not fucking immune to Faith's bullshit? I find that we tend to be, or that I tend to be more susceptible to the types of bullshit that I grew up with rather than immune to it. Like, I call it out, but I still don't really know how to deal with it, you know? maybe I'm just, because I'm the opposite of that. The kind of bullshit that I grew up with does not affect me in the least, and I see it coming from a fucking mile away. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, but yeah, stuff and things. That's my quote of the day. Stuff and things. Alrighty. Uh, then we cut to the library. Wesley is like, oh, is this your journal? Is it okay if I read it? Knock yourself out. Please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Vaudeville is not dead. It lives in Giles. Yep. Wesley reads his first entry into the diary when per he met Buffy. Yeah, apparently she was insolent and was massacring the English language to the point where Giles could only understand every other sentence. But now Giles is all defending this, and he's like, well, you just need to get to know her and yeah. give her a chance. Three years, almost, from when she when he met her. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. No, it's a load of horse shit. I just kind of feel like it's 
yet another ploy to make us root for Giles and Buffy and have a common enemy. Yeah, I can feel that. Insert plot complication here kind of thing. Right. But also it doesn't last very long, if I recall. I mean, it doesn't even really last to the end of the episode before Wesley's like, oh shit, I'm in over my head. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, he definitely does have that my shit doesn't stink, I know what's going on kind of teenager mentality. But I also don't get the sense that he's um, purposefully... I'm trying to fuck shit up here. He's not trying to pry them apart with an ulterior motive. He honestly thinks he just knows best. Right. I think he's got um, sophomore syndrome, honestly. That's what I meant by, like, you know, like a teenager. Teenagers, when they first become adults, like the new adultness, they think they know fucking everything. Yeah. And when I was that age, I thought I fucking knew everything. And... You don't. (laughs) It's an unparalleled level of confidence, and that is important. But, you know, if you can hang on to that confidence and, you know, learn to also be humble about your shit, you know, then you'd have something sweeter than you. Bottle that. Worth your weight in gold. You know, scientists have actually theorized that that blind, no fear of death, we feel like we're going to live forever confidence that you have when you're a teenager and just come becoming an adult is actually a specific functionality of evolution. I think it's, yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, it seems like a very important evolutionary tactic that would have been absolutely quintessential to our survival in uh, more of a wilderness setting. Yeah, definitely. But That's your fun fact of the day. Yeah, the more you know. Was it fun? Say it was fun, Josh. <laughs> it was fun, Rex. <laughs> Dude, just put the knife down, man. <laughs> I'll do all the episodes with you, I swear. <laughs> oh, God. Help me. <laughs> Moving on. I sound like I'm laughing, but I'm crying. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their fleeting walls or black hats. We always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and... with Buffy would like to announce a t-shirt contest till August 31st midnight eastern time if you submitted an iTunes review take a screenshot of you submitting the iTunes review and email that screenshot to us you'll be entered in a drawing for the t-shirt full contest rules will be on our Patreon like you guys it's totally a contest on to the sewer (laughs) Buffy and Faith are fighting the vamps (laughs) Are they, Rex? How are they fighting them? Not well, actually. That's unfortunate (laughs) for them. Are they fighting them with swords? I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) (laughs) Not at first, but I want to say, during the fight, there's this moment where one of the vamps grabs Buffy and is, like, holding Buffy in place, and the other dude, Vincent, has his sword. He's the one that that Balthazar gives the job of killing the mayor. Oh, okay. So Vincent holds up his sword to Buffy, who's being held by another vampire, and says, 
Let's settle this honorably. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? She doesn't have a sword. She's being held by your... your Vampires have a twisted sense of honor. Well... Like okay, yeah, obviously they're 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 <laughs> vampires, they're they're evil undead creatures, but my point being, honor still has a solid definition. But we had to; they had already established that they're a dueling cult, so they had to, you know, show that somehow, somewhere, I guess. Yeah, it was a poor attempt at it, though. Yeah, I agree. But he ends up grabbing her and drowning her, and I was like, damn it. Not again. <laughs> right? And then Buffy manages to pull her ass out of it just in time before she actually drowns. One of my quotes of the day, man, I hate it when they drown me. This is a qualm I've always had with every scene I've ever seen about somebody getting drowned by someone else. And that is, if someone is holding your head underwater, just stop struggling. Pretend to be dead. By Hollywood logic, the moment... Every fucking person in, in a movie, they're holding someone down and drowning them. The moment they stop moving, they let go. Now, granted, that would not work in real life. More than likely, if someone is trying to drown you, they're going to hold you there well past the point you stop moving. I would imagine. But if you're a character in a film or TV show, just fake it. Like <laughs> Buffy did. And what does it do? It gives her the opportunity to kill someone unless you're not the hero uh in which case you definitely need to die like the writers intended well right sorry my cat is attacking me so uh, they whoop some ass approximately as much as rex is getting his ass whooped by his cat right now he's not whooping my ass he's just grabbing onto my arm and trying to chew on my watch that's very interesting they get the amulet back and they make it out just fine a couple of the vamps run off unscathed cut to the library where Buffy gives her report Buffy's really not suffering any fools specifically Wesley at this point I like her entire attitude towards this situation I like how she carries herself I like how she's she's not getting petty about it either yeah she's just she gives no shits and nor should she. He's got to get to a point where he's earned her respect. He's three years late to the party here. Yeah. He's going to have a rough time of this. Buffy tells Giles right in front of Wesley that they need to talk. And Wesley does not take too kindly to this. Okay. He tries to put his foot down and it's really kind of sad. It's, it's like, oh, that's cute. He's like, no, anything that you talk to, anything that you say about slang shall be said to me. You hear me now? Right. Slayer girl, you shall only talk to me about slang. <laughs> She's like, we'll talk later, Giles. Yeah. He's like, no. So You're not. He looks to Giles and he doesn't say it in the whiny voice, but it really should be read in the whiny voice. It really should. You're not helping. No. And I feel just sick about it. <laughs> Splendid. So we cut to the classroom where Buffy will not respect that people are taking a fucking test. This scene angers me. Yeah. It is so outrageously far out of character for the way Buffy is acting. To the point where even Xander has to be like, uh, taking a test here. Do you mind? Some of us care about our grades. And that was, I like it sounded catty, but it was a completely legitimate response. But yeah, this is 
just a shitty scene because she's talking about the night and like Buffy is smart enough to be able to go, oh, we have to take this test and I will continue this conversation later. Yeah. And I get that she's excited and she's she's really starting to a- adopt this fuck it attitude that Faith uh, has and it's really growing on her, but it's still not going to make her fucking drag Willow and Xander into it in the middle of a test. And also, there's no teacher on the planet that wouldn't have said immediately... Get the fuck out. And who... Oh my god. The teacher was like, Okay, everybody, you're on the honor system now. You don't tell kids that just before they're about to take a test. Or they will cheat. They will cheat every last second of that test away. If you leave the room and tell them they're on the honor system, you will come back and you will find them all in a circle copying off of one test. Willows. Yes. (laughs) exactly anyway faith shows up and she pops the window open worst security ever in this school yeah (laughs) and this is where we get the best eliza dushku gif yeah (laughs) the one where she breathes on the window and draws the little heart and the arrow through it it's not an arrow through it it's literally it's a line to the center of the heart oh like a stake yeah okay neat so and she's like What's up, girlfriend? Bad time? It's like, yeah, actually, it is a really bad time. It really is. But luckily for Willow and Xander, Buffy's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's all you had to do if you weren't going to take the test. Just get the fuck out. Way to fuck up all the hard work that you have done all year, Buffy. Yeah. If you're just going to say fuck it now. I mean, I had a horrible case of senioritis in high school. I don't blame her. But she said in the previous scene, the only relevant tidbit of information we got out of that scene is that this test is very fucking important to her being able to even graduate. Yeah. And she just completely blows it off. So we'll see how that plays out later, probably. Yep. And so they run off to this vampire's den in the middle of the day. They bust down a wall, literally, again... Oh, yeah. So ahead of my time. <laughs> God damn. And some vamps um, spontaneously combust in yeah. the sunlight. And they presume to kick some ass. It actually annoys me that they don't show this kind of planning and action throughout the series. Because the smartest fucking way to kill vampires would be to track them down and find their nests during, during the day. During the day, absolutely. attack them with the sunlight. Uh-huh. For fuck's sake, you could kill tons with just a goddamn mirror. Right? Be like, oh, I kicked out a window. I have a mirror. Yeah. I'm going to just wave it around. Pretty You're much. all dying. Even if it doesn't kill them, you at least light them on fire. Yeah. And... If they don't put themselves out fast enough, yeah, that's going to kill them. And then they're panicky. Uh-huh. Panicky vampires are way easier to kill Low-hanging than fruit. not panicky vampires. Completely. And they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? And so then we cut to Duh Bronze, which is now duh a bronze. which is now a hot rave spot suddenly. Yeah. And Buffy and Faith are living it up, woot woot. I liked that they changed the the environment slightly because it, it just makes me think of Papa Pete's. Yeah. It's uh, our favorite dive bar. For all the 
for all the fans out there that aren't from our particular hometown, that's one of our favorite yeah. little go-to spots that has some wacky, crazy, fun time events. They well, some some nights they have fucking goth industrial music, and it's a hardcore club scene. Some nights they have fucking rap artists in there. Sometimes they bring in a clown. Other times they have mini golf. I, I don't think they have mini golf, but honestly, I wouldn't put a clown past them. Sometimes it's sewing and origami. None of these things are true. I, I think you're getting even more ridiculous here. Thank Moving you. Moving on. <laughs> so Angel shows up and uh, Buffy, something's wrong. <laughs> Buffy, do you have any idea how long it's been since I've told you how broody I am? <laughs> As soon as this scene popped up, I'm like, oh man, I know exactly what Josh is going to say during this recording. <laughs> Buffy, I can't remember the last time I told you how broody I am, Buffy. No, legitimately, I need you to remind me I lost my notes on how broody I am. <laughs> okay, way to subvert expectations. <laughs> Because when this scene popped up, I'm like, oh, I know exactly how Josh is going to respond to this. <laughs> Losing the notes thing was a good touch. That was a good touch. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, and also, Balthasar is not dead. That doesn't really bother me, but look at me. How I look at how broody I am. I love that Wesley shows up right now and finds Buffy. And I like that they make no explanation whatsoever to him about who Angel is or even what Angel is. Yeah. I like that he found her because that to me said that he had been just fucking wandering around Sunnydale trying to fucking find her. I mean, maybe he got the info out of Giles that like that would be where she went if she wasn't patrolling. I mean, he he pays attention. Or again, it's just lazy writing. Right. Well, because Angel is there because he's concerned about the whereabouts of the amulet. Right. And they they're like, and they're like, hey, Wesley, is the amulet somewhere safe? He's like, oh, yes, absolutely, definitely, 100%. Ahoy, hoy. Pocket. It's in his fucking pocket. And Angel's like, that's not safe. Puts it in his pocket. And I'm like, I can't even argue with that. That's way no, more safe. It's way more safe. That's a million times more safe already. Yeah, exactly. Than where it was before. <laughs> Going from the pocket of a sniveling weasel to a guy who can't die, except for by very, very specific means, that's pretty fucking yeah. good. A man who, uh, a vampire who can handle himself, who has a soul, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know yeah. Angel. Anyway, exactly. yeah, so he runs off immediately, kisses Buffy goodbye in front of Wesley, and they just walk off like Wesley wasn't even involved in the situation. Exactly, And I love it. You know, it just shows how unaffected by the council's bullshit she really is yes yes it does and so she grabs faith and she runs off yep now we cut to the warehouse it's time for some uh for some balthazar soup <sighs> today's special is balthazar soup balthazar looks like somebody had a bit too much chocolate sauce <laughs> uh Bring the chocolate sauce and someone brought it. Oh yeah, god. All of it. They forgot all to all of it. They forgot to smear it on him and they just injected it directly in him. Yeah, and I don't have smell o vision. <laughs> but I couldn't I could imagine way too vividly how awful he had to have smelled. Speaking of being ahead of our time on other episodes, 
this man needs a moo. <laughs> oh my and, god, that would And that's oh. that's not a fat joke. That's just you know, it, it could be a sheet. I don't care what I mean, he can't get served like that. No shirt, no shoes, no service, man. Oh my god. <laughs> How does he go into gas stations? Like I I'm almost certain he smokes. They're like, like pasting him. <laughs> it's so gross. I couldn't stop thinking about how much fun they must have had building that suit. Right? <laughs> it had to have been made out of rubber. Right. Can you imagine how fucking awful it would have had to have been to have been the actor in that shit? That also occurred to me, yes. <laughs> like, you're you're in a giant rubber suit that is in water. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Like, even if, even if the costume only smells like wet rubber, after you're done, it smells like the worst thing ever. Like your ass. I could see this. I could see the seam around the neck, though. Yeah. Where it was obviously, you know, this big rubber thing that he climbed into and they just did the face and the neck work. Yeah. Outside of that, and I'm sure he was probably just wearing, like, boxers before he climbed in there. I had designed it so that it was, like, a little room, so there was maybe, like, fans, like, circulating some air inside. Yeah, even those costumes that people walk around in at amusement parks have fans built into them. Yeah, and, like, these really fancy, like, cooling vests and shit. Yeah. So I'm sure they took good care of him. They definitely threw the entire episode's budget at this costume. Yeah. And it is really good. It it really it doesn't even fall under the the category of costume anymore. This is creature effects. Yes. It really is. And it is really good cuz it feels so gross. And wrong. The wrongest of wrong. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. God, I couldn't stop smelling it. (laughs) Yeah. Buffy and Faith don't have their confrontation with Balthazar yet. They decide they need weaponry. So they can see him through a crack in a door from the street. Like their main area is just through one doorway. It's not even a back room. Right. It's like a storefront. There's a sporting goods store directly across the street. Are they on, like, a strip mall or something? Did the Gap go out of business? (laughs) Are they that hard up? You know why the Gap went out of business? The smell. The smell. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to shop there. Well, they hired Balthazar as a salesman, and that was just the worst mistake. Right? (laughs) No one one wants to buy something from someone so moist. He probably put on his resume that he could wash the clothes while he sold them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out, guys? It ho- makes me think of... Uh, they were probably just trying to get a diversity credit. <laughs> He's disabled. What? It makes me think of Dr. Horrible. Moist. <laughs> that was like his superpower. He was moist. If they'd given him jowl horns. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is Moist's future. And if they'd made him extremely angry and giant baby-like. 
the whiniest of whiny as well. Yeah, this guy really was stupid whiny. Like, I just wanted to punch him in his stupid yeah. fat face. But So, anyway... I didn't really want to touch him, though. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> know what I mean, Vern? I do know what you mean, Vern. <laughs> I'm having serious dating with a werewolf, and I'm studying witchcraft and, and killing vampires. It's like a drug. Anyway, <laughs> Buffy and Faith need weaponry to fight Balthazar, so they go to the sporting goods store across the street. They just break in, which, again, going along with this to any degree is out of character for Buffy. Hey, Rex. a lot. Hey, Rex. What? Ask me what I'm doing. What are you doing? Not crime! <laughs> I'm definitely not doing any crime. But they are, Josh. I know. They are doing crime. But I'm not. <laughs> it's funny, because just last episode, fucking Xander was caught up in some storefront robbery as well. Not crime. Not, not he, crime, not yes. Crime. Pointedly. <laughs> But Except they, he was less guilty than Buffy right. is now. They go about this very stupidly. First off, they take their goddamn time in breaking into this place. They take their time shopping around for shit. There's an alarm. Right. And they get arrested. Sunnydale police still still are inept. This because, is completely on par. Because... On top of the fact that, hey, these people just broke into the sporting goods store, this cop decides, you know what this place needs? A hole in the ceiling. Ha! <laughs> he fires a warning shot. You don't fucking fire warning shots. Do you have any idea how much paperwork police have to do for every bullet fired? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but I'm guessing it's a lot. I actually do know, and it is a fuck ton. Yeah, okay, see, that's what I thought. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> He fires a warning shot. They looked really bored for cops yeah. that were handling an armed robbery. They were at not a, good actors. At a one-on-one -on -one ratio. They were not good actors. Yeah. Well, I think the cops are just really poorly written in, that too. in this entire show. But moving along. So, yeah, they get arrested. Yeah. I, I really thought they were going to put up a fight, or a faith was at least, Right here and now, but they end up in the back of the cop car. I think the only reason they didn't put up a fight is the dude did prove that he is capable of shooting his gun. <laughs> right. Like, I know they're not ceilings, so maybe they don't really need to fear for their lives, but he did shoot things. So <laughs> that... You mean Buffy and Faith aren't ceilings? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Luckily for them, they're not linoleum either. Right? Otherwise, boy. Although, looking at Xander, they may as well be. I mean, Xander was able to get it up for Faith. <laughs> so maybe there's something Faith is not telling us about her linoleum content. <laughs> Gosh, that joke just keeps on giving, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I need a moment. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so so now God we're in the back of the it. now we're in the back of the cop car. It's okay, <laughs> laugh it out, laugh it out, boss. So one of the cops is like, um, "You and one of them girl gangs, the Slayers." <laughs> Faith is like, "Yeah, <laughs> we're the Slayers." 
And I'm like, oh ah, I get it, because they are the Slayers. <laughs> I see what they did there. I mean, okay, yeah, it's a two-girl gang, but it's a girl gang. It is, technically. They're more They're more of a... It's more of a couple at that point. Yeah. But I guess, you know, if you think about it, they're, they're more of an ensemble if you count the whole Scoobies. Absolutely. That doesn't really count as a girl gang. Um, I mean, get Cordy in there and Willow, sure. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Why not? Anyway, they make a pretty quick work of breaking out here. And yeah. I don't think, even with Slayer Strength, that this would have been possible. But they are like the most inept um, police yeah. force on the planet. They, they kick out the fucking divider. And it like hits the back of their heads. They crash the car. Now, if it were possible to kick out the divider like that, then this is plausible. I just don't think that's plausible to be able to kick out the divider like that. I'm sure it's secured a hell of a lot better than that. Right. And I guess it really depends on how it is secured specifically and how you calculate Slayer strength, which they have made impossible to do. That is correct. Like, I really wish there was some way, specific, like, guideline out there. You know what? And there might be. Hey, fans of the show, <laughs> if there is any, like, official, like, there's got to be, like, printed information about this. There's a fucking Star Trek handbook shit. Right? There's got to be something out there that somehow quantifies the amount of strength the Slayer is supposed to have. Yeah, for the love of Keanu, guys, give us a call or text us at 269-743-0783 so that Rex can put this to bed. Yeah. Because I've been cutting it out of episodes for, like, months. Every I've noticed. Every and time he brings it up. I have to keep bringing it up because eventually, maybe, you'll stop fucking cutting it out. <laughs> so let's get this question answered. Is there any actual rubric... Or some sort of graph, or it's something <laughs> that can answer the question, how strong is a Slayer? A graph? Yeah, a bar chart, <laughs> or a pie chart, or a bar graph. Is it linear? Is it, is it parabolic? You're just saying words now. <laughs> anyway, they escape. And the next day at Buffy's, Buffy is frantically searching the paper for any sort of news about the incident. Ah, the 90s. I mean, when the newspapers could be used for news. Right? Instead of, you know, buying a used grill off of somebody or whatever people bought. with. They're not even good for that. People don't use the newspaper for classifieds anymore. Yeah, you gotta find... That's how you find an extend-a-spoon in 99... Yeah. You got to find all those estate sales. <laughs> so Joyce is having a rebellion of her own, you know, right. while Buffy's busy, you know, breaking into storefronts and skipping school and very important tests. Uh, Joyce wants some goddamn waffles. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I feel this is a very noble cause. I am a major fan of waffles. The house of waffle. That's how noble this is. There's a whole house for it. And they made a chain of restaurants out of it. Yeah. But it's a cover for a drug ring. So, <laughs> Joyce promises not to meddle in Buffy's slang so long as she's careful. About damn time. Holy shit, some fucking personal growth, Joyce. Joyce learned something. Weird. And my favorite part, she proceeds to... 
not meddle in her slaying. And you know how we know something's wrong with Buffy? She doesn't want waffles. Why do you keep saying waffles? So Buffy actually turns down Joyce for the waffles, and she offers to help her make the waffles. And Joyce is like, no, there's only no calories in the waffles if I make them for you. Mom logic. What are that you- doesn't explain why you keep pronouncing it waffles. How do you pronounce it? Waffles. 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 W-A-F-F. Waffle. Can't even finish. Waffles. So it's decided. They're waffles. For fuck's sake. All right, we're going to go to Waffle House tomorrow. They're waffles. And we don't have a waffle house. All here. of the Waffle House employees. <laughs> I almost pronounced it waffles. <laughs> I'm gaslighting you, Rex. Fuck you. It's waffles. I'm, I fucking I'm not, love waffles. I'm You're not, not going to ruin this for me. I'm not gaslighting you, Rex. I'm <laughs> gaslighting you. They're waffles. That's right. That's what I said. Waffles. <laughs> you fucking. This is just like irregardless. I'm going to fucking hate you for this forever. <laughs> irregardless of that. Rex. It is not a word. I- irregardless of the waffles. So cut to the mayor's it's the office. the same thing of you pronouncing the goddamn H and everything. What is the problem You're here? You're such an asshole. <laughs> Buffy, you made some bad choices. You just might have to live with some consequences. This isn't over. If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor. Cut to the mayor's office. I bet he pronounces it waffles. Because he's evil. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Evil! (laughs) He likes family circus and pronounces it waffles. My kind of guy. Finally, we're on the good side of the coin. (laughs) <laughs> Mayor Wilkins is uh, getting his picture taken with some Boy Scouts And that's how you know that this man's a hero He's a goddamn American hero Because he loves Boy Scouts he, They're an institution They're the backbone of America yeah. He even says it It's in the script Look it up After the Boy Scouts leave He closes up the windows and lets Mr. Trick out of an office that he's hiding in. Yeah, it took me a second to realize why he was closing the the blinds. Oh, daylight, Mr. Trick is a vampire. And then he turns and opens his cabinet that has all the shrunken heads and Uh memorabilia. And Vincent pops out to kill him. He does. What would Vincent have done if the mayor hadn't closed the fucking windows? He'd have just fucking burned up like a dumbass. Right? What the fuck are you thinking, Vincent? Well, and how the fuck did he even get in there? I mean, even even the mayor is like, we have security, right? And Alan, Alan's terrified. He's like, yeah. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> <laughs> that poor bastard. It's okay, Alan. Your suffering will soon be over. Yeah. <laughs> Faith will see to that. Yeah. So he doesn't want Vincent dead yet. He specifically tells Mr. Trick to lock him up, and he's going to save him for later. (laughs) Yeah, because even Trick is like, well, you know, he's just going to try to kill you again, right? And he's like, I expect he will. 
And then real quick cut to the lair of Balthazar where he is the grossest bad guy ever. He's just blusteringly screaming at them to go kill all the Watchers and Slayers he is, as if it were that easy. He is a giant whiny wet jacuzzi baby. <laughs> That's all you need to understand this character. And you can just tell his his fucking body makes the macaroni and cheese sound. Oh! Oh! <laughs> You get to do the impression this time. I can't. I can't effectively do that. I refuse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On to Willow's house, where Willow gives Buffy the protection spell that she made. She's super excited because the protection smell does not smell smelly like most protection smells smell smelly. Yeah. And one of my quotes of the day here. Uh, Willow says, give me time, and I may be the first wicked to do all my conjuring in pine fresh scent. But this isn't pine fresh scent, Willow. It's lavender. It's, it's lavender fresh scent, yeah. Personally, I would hate that protection spell. Lavender smells like soap in my mouth. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Like when I smell the smell lavender, I taste soap. Mm. Did you I, get your mouth washed out by lavender soap or not something? Not that I can recall. I've tried figuring this out, like overanalyzed it in my own brain for sure. a long while. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I don't understand the the mental mechanism here. But for some reason, when I smell lavender, I taste soap. It's a weird mental thing my brain does. Did you astral project over it? No. Oh, why not? Did you do some... Astral projection isn't real. Did you do some lucid dreaming? That's possible. I have had many adventures with lucid dreaming. Yeah, I know. Most of them not good. But not specifically about this lavender soap issue. Not that I recall, no. Interesting. But my memory is so shit, who the fuck knows? Right? But anyway, uh, Willow gave her the protection spell. Willow wants to go slaying with them. Buffy wants her to stay home and stay safe. Which, I mean, she's kind of right. Willow wouldn't have really been a bunch of use, I, I don't think, think. more importantly, Buffy's mentality here is that she does not trust the situation with Faith. It, well, the reason she doesn't trust the situation with Faith is because she knows that she's been acting extra reckless. Yeah. Little column A, little column yep. B. And then Faith, of course, shows up and they leave. And that's the scene. Yeah. On to the hunt. Where Faith apparently went back for the fucking bow. <laughs> well, the whole problem that I had with them robbing the fucking store in the first place was... I was like, you guys have access to tons of weapons at the library. Well, and in that scene, Buffy had been like, oh, let's go back to the library to get weapons. And then Faith was like, no, we'll just go in there. And that's why I, okay. that's why I felt that it was so fucking out of character. Right. And also, shouldn't they have a goddamn budget? Like, give these right. girls a credit card already. Right. I mean, sure, the store was closed. I'm sure the Watchers console has tons of fucking money. There are a bunch of rich, uptight Englishmen. Right? Yeah. That's not a stereotype at all. <laughs> so give us a call if you're a rich, uptight Britishman. Yeah. Or a poor, not uptight Britishman. Who understands that we're wrong about uptight 
rich? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Just give us a call. We what? like we like phone calls. Yeah, why not? 269-743-0783. Cut to the library. Giles is having an argument with Wesley about his emotional attachment to Buffy. Yep. And Wesley is all like, well, the way you've handled this assignment is something of an embarrassment to the council. And Giles says, if you want to criticize my methods, fine. But you can keep your snide remarks to yourself. And while you're at it, don't criticize my methods. I fucking love that line. Which was fantastic. I love that line. (laughs) Which was basically Giles' equivalent of... You there, go fuck yourself. And when you get there, continue fucking off. Then fuck off some more. And when you get back, fuck off again. Yeah. Yeah. Wesley's attitude about this situation is very much of, well, I can do better. And then Giles is like, oh yeah? Fucking look behind you. Yeah. Vampires, they're kidnapped. You did so much better there, Wesley. (laughs) Exactly. All I can think of is Wesley from Star Trek. (laughs) Shut up, Wesley. (laughs) What's why is there child on the bridge? (laughs) The same question applies, really. Yeah. Why is this child in Giles's office, (laughs) which is functionally the equivalent of the bridge? Yeah. Yeah. It really is of the Enterprise. Uh, Like this actually kind of asks the right question, though. Like, okay, if Wesley is the new watcher. Why the fuck is Giles giving him the time of day and allowing him even fucking remote access to his library? Right? Yeah, get your own fucking supplies. It was established in this episode. Giles is still the librarian. This is still his fucking library. Fuck off, Wesley. Yeah, I really get kind the of ass- fuck out. I really kind of assumed that the library posting was part of the watcher council and that they had a little bit of control over that position but apparently not no apparently like they would have had at least one inside man who can who would have been like oh you're not the watcher anymore well guess what you're not the librarian anymore but no that wasn't the case not the case we should figure out what kind of deal this is i mean is it a gathering a shindig or a hootenanny well gathering is brie mellow song stylings Shindig dip, less mellow song stylings, perhaps a large amount of malt beverage, and hoot nanny. Well, it's chock full of hoot, just a little bit of nanny. So back to the hunt where Buffy and Buffy fights the vampire, and Faith struggles to use a fucking bow. <laughs> but no, she finally gets tired of trying to fuck with the bow. She just stabs the vamp with the the arrow and then they go on to towards the warehouse where they kill another vamp on the way and then they turn a corner and there's this dude in a suit that faith reflexively stabs with a stake even though he was down on the ground shit reflexes here faith yeah how did you not notice that he was basically an unarmed civilian at this point or at least really well pretending yeah yeah and I mean, just because Alan worked for the villain, I didn't feel like Alan was evil. No. He just kind of found himself in a fucked up situation and he went with it. Yeah. Which is a little evil, but it's not super evil. It brings up the following orders question. Yeah, exactly. So does he count as evil? I'm not crying that he's dead. No. But they didn't know who he was. Right. He was an unarmed civilian as far as they know. 
And, you know, Buffy is compelled to try and save him. But you can't save someone stabbed in the fucking heart. You bleed out real quick. You know, I kind of wonder if Alan was there to get help from them. Why was he there? It makes, like, there was no pre-established, like, reason why he would have been there. Or maybe, yeah, there really wasn't. Or maybe he was following orders and leading the Illuminati to the Slayers. Maybe. Could go either way. But there was really no evidence either yeah, way. They were, uh, Faith and Buffy run off. Uh, Buffy runs into Angel immediately Yep. in another section of the alleyway. And Angel informs Buffy that they have Giles. Yeah. At the warehouse, he's been kidnapped by the Illuminati. Faith examines the body, and we cut to commercial, and then we cut to the warehouse, where <laughs> Balthazar needs his front moistened. Oh, yeah. Ew. Uh... Specifically, the quote is, The front! The front! Moisten the front! <laughs> His exclamation of relief here is... <laughs> it's gross! I think more disgusting. It's like... Things that make you go... <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't... Um. This guy, whoever acted this part, just had to have loved what he was doing. I honestly wondered if it was the same guy that played the master. It wasn't. I looked it up. I, okay. I didn't recognize anything he had been in. Fair enough. It, he had done mostly voice acting. Okay. And that works because, I mean, really his facial acting in this consisted of open your mouth as wide as you can. Right. And make voices. And be as whiny as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Wesley is panicking ironically <laughs> because he's like, no, Giles, we don't need to panic. We don't, we don't need to panic. Don't panic, Giles. Giles is like, oh, thank God you're here. I was planning to panic. And so Wesley attempts to give up all of the information that he has to avoid torture and save his kneecaps. And yep. he can't even do that correctly. Right. And Giles is like, um... Oh, whatever, take him away. I'll tell you everything you need to know. And then there's a great line here. Balthazar says to to Giles, you know what I want. And Giles responds with, if it's t if it's for me to scrub those hard to reach areas, I'd like to request that you kill me now. <laughs> because gross. And so Wesley actually is like, we don't have the amulet. Buffy gave it to somebody. I don't know what his name is. So as Balthazar is screaming, what is his name? And smoothly enter the bold, the beautiful, the broody. His <laughs> name is Angel. And he about to get his own TV show. Mm, that's right. He has got star power. Goddamn right. Balthazar does not know what his macaroni and cheese ass is in for. <laughs> so they fight. And he's sitting there screaming, unacceptable, the whole time that yep. they're fighting. Um, Giles. The, hold on, though. The flail he does while screaming unacceptable is hilarious. It is. The whole thing's pretty hilarious. I wish this was a visual medium. Flappity, flappity, flappity. There you go. Yeah. If that doesn't give you enough of a visual, <laughs> you should watch the episode. And it's all in how the costume is designed, because his arms are very much in the front of the, the bodysuit thing. Yeah. It's 
if you aren't watching the episodes before listening to our episodes, you really do need to watch this episode and at least see this bit because it's fucking hilarious. If you're a Futurama fan and you're familiar with Hedonism Bot, imagine yeah. Hedonism Bot instead of being a robot. He's this big blubbery old demon in a large kiddie pool. Fleshy bits. Ugh. All the fleshy bits. Ugh. But very moist. Yeah, Wesley is <laughs> sniveling. Giles is fairly stoic in this whole situation. He well, gets- no, now we're in the middle of the fight. And so right. Giles is immediately just turns into this sword fighting badass yep. while Wesley is cowering in the corner, sniveling like a raging tool. Yep. But you see. He's face down to vampires in controlled circumstances. In controlled circumstances. He should have been ready for this. Yeah. Why wasn't he ready for this, Rex? I don't know. That's just weird. It's it's such a question and conundrum. I know. But Wes gets caught by a vampire and immediately whinnies for help. And Giles quickly and heroically obliges him with a nice quick decapitation. Yeah. Resulting in a dusting of said vampire. Not a decapitation of Wesley. The way that sentence was structured, it sounded like you meant that he decapitated Wesley. I mean, they'll figure it out. The vampire. I mean, he should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He decapitates the vampire, <laughs> yes. not Wesley. But Balthazar does this thing that he did earlier where he didn't mention it, but he did earlier where he can, like, Jedi power somebody to him. Yeah. And, like, grabs a hold of, of Angel. And then... Buffy, who's behind Balthazar, sees that there's a light above him and, like, knocks the light into the jacuzzi. What did she use? Did she have a stake or something? Did she throw a stake or something at it? I wasn't paying enough attention. But she electrocutes Balthazar. And I just have to say, if a light had landed in the pool and electrocuted them, Balthazar wouldn't have been able to let go of Angel and Angel would have been electrocuted along with him. So that was a bad plan on Buffy's part. Yeah. But the worst thing about Buffy's plan is think of what it smells like now. (laughs) Yeah, it already smelled bad. Now it smells like burnt whatever it smelled like before. Yeah. (laughs) God, I'm so grateful that smell-o-vision isn't a thing. If you're not crying yourselves to sleep tonight, we've not done our jobs. Yeah. But Balthazar gives an ominous warning about... The mayor. We know it's about the mayor, but they don't know it's about the mayor. He says, Slayer, you think you've won. When he rises, you'll wish I'd killed you all. And I'm like, yeah, that's what they all say. Cut to the mayor's office. Yeah. Where the mayor is doing a ritual. It's quite dark. He's got one of those demon circle thingies drawn out on the floor. Pentagram. Sure. And uh, he's in the middle of it, and he's chanting ominously, and there's dark, broody music going on and whatnot. Some rumbling. And then, perfect mayor form. He stands up, the music stops, and he goes, I don't understand why Alan would miss this. He's normally so punctual. Yeah. And he has Mr. Trick open the cage that has Vincent in it. But first, he arms the vampire. Handsome sword, specifically. Yeah. Vincent obliges, jumps out of the cage, cuts his head in half. Doesn't last long before his head stops being cut in half. Yeah. Not good effects for this, by the way. Eh. 
you know, CG is mean, expensive. Good CG. Right. They weren't like awful, but definitely like, hey guys, we spent all our money on a wet rubber suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do this one on the cheap, please. <laughs> For 1999 cable TV, it was passable. Yeah. And so the mayor, after his head reseals and the vampire gets staked by Mr. Trick, pulls out a to-do list and says, (laughs) well, checks off Become Invincible. Did you see what else was on the list? Yep. Yeah. I also wrote down what was on the list. I didn't write it down, but go ahead. Uh, Also on his to-do list was Plumber Union Reschedule, Call Temp Agency... Meeting with PTA and haircut. And the only other one that he'd actually done was call temp agency. Does a haircut work after you become invincible? I wondered that too. Like, (laughs) I don't think it would. I feel like it wouldn't. Yeah. It would just grow back immediately. They sliced through his head. That would have affected his... Mr. Mayor. Yeah, seriously. Poor planning. I mean, his hair's fine. It looks fine. No, it does. He doesn't really need a haircut. You're a very handsome man. (laughs) You look like a very nice, upstanding young man. But we learn in this scene that the ascension is going to happen in 100 days. And he's going to be invincible until then. Uh, I don't know if that means he's not going to be invincible afterwards, but I'm assuming we'll get more information on that later. Yep. And we do. I, cause I, re- I remember it and this I'm is where we share it. And this is where we get a little, uh, another couple of lines that Ben used in the opening music. Gosh, I'm feeling chipper. Who's for a root beer. Yeah. And that's, that's always fun. Hey mayor. I like root beer. I also like root beer. Had he said root beer float, I'd have been like, damn. And even like Mr. It. Tricks, like this fucking guy. This yeah. fucking guy's crazy. Goddamn. So then we got to Faith's for the, the last scene of the show where Buffy talks to Faith and Faith is broken here. Well, specifically, Buffy is trying to get Faith to talk about having killed a person, yeah. a real person, because she wants she feels that there's a heavy distinction between being a slayer and a killer, while any of us with, you know, half a Jiminy Cricket in our pants is completely agreeing with her. Fuck. I was yawning and that was funny and that deserved me to laugh during your saying it. I'm sorry. It just came to me as I was speaking. That was good. (laughs) Half a Jiminy Cricket in your pants. Oh, well, the moment's passed. Right. And But Faith is, you know, she's done washing the blood out of her shirt there. She did a good job at that. You can't even fucking tell. Couldn't even see any blood. She's really good at repressing. Maybe a little too good at repressing because Jimmy Crack Corn, Faith does not give a shit. No. <laughs> she hid the body. She waited it. She dumped it. Apparently in a body of water, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. A lake, a river, a whatever. And Faith doesn't care about being a murderer at all. And we close the episode on that. Gerarg. Gerarg. <laughs> I just love the family circus. That, that, that EJ. Who's telling? That, that, that EJ. Longer than you can imagine. Everyone's a winner, 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 winner. Never have the chance. Never have the chance. Everyone's a winner. That's sunshine and roses to me. It really is. This turned out to be a much heavier episode than I anticipated. Yeah. Whoa. 
Very much well. What's your quote of the day? My quote of the day, Rex, I think I'm going to have to give it to Giles. If you want to criticize my methods, fine, but you can keep your snide remarks to yourself. And while you're at it, don't criticize my methods. Because that line really feels like I'm really good at taking constructive criticism. That's fine, I get that, but you're wrong and I hate you. Yes. It's ba- that was it really does. pretty much what Giles said right there. I have got to go with whenever Giles sends me on a mission, he says, please. And afterwards, I get a key. I just, the inflection, the delivery, it's too perfect. Yeah. So, did you like the episode? Yeah. Yeah, well, this was yeah. definitely a lot of important shit happened in this episode. There were some moments where I'm like, oh, this is fucking stupid. Like, pretty much all the scenes that involved Buffy actually being at school pissed me off. Right. But other than that, it amazes me how they barely had faith in this season so far. But they had her in this season just enough to where she was perfectly well established for this one episode. And then this one episode is when all her entire fucking character development happens. Yeah, that and Trick and the mayor. Like, they established Trick a long time ago and then haven't really used him that much, but a little bit. And we're finally starting to really figure out what the fuck is going on with the mayor. Still not completely, but there's definitely an evil plan. And this is the first time we really get to see him being in any way evil. Yeah. And he still hasn't really technically done anything wrong. This episode is full of little tiny written payoffs they've had in previous episodes. Yeah. Where they're they're like just a little snippet of a scene here and there throughout all these different multiple episodes. Not even just like, oh, this was all pre-established in one episode. No, it was tiny tidbits. I was really starting to feel annoyed that we had so many episodes of just non-main story arc going on. I agree. That's mainly what I wanted to say about the mayor here is that it, it bothers me that it took so long for us to get anything about him other than that he exists and he's probably evil. I think they did a good job with it. I agree. I think I would have preferred that we had, you know, a little more to go on and that it was more of a build up instead of this kind of in this intermittent interjection, but it's still working and you know, it's still one yeah. of the best TV shows I've ever seen and I can't complain that much. I, I I give this episode two thumbs up or whatever rubric we're using to rate the episodes, which we're not. I liked it. Other than I also liked it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it through yet another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Beer with Buffy. Like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. Don't forget we have a t-shirt contest going on all the way up through the end of August. Full details are on our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Beer with Buffy. You can always email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can always text us and or leave us a voicemail at 269-743-0783. As always, thank you very much to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for our opening, closing, and transitional music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Don't make me do the macaroni sound. God. I was 
wasn't even like even though I made that reference in the episode, I didn't actually want you to do it. Unacceptable. <laughs> Which it is. You don't like the color? done why are we watching this <laughs>